guys. Welcome to Notorious Women Podcast. I'm Lavetta. I'm Miriam. And this is a comedy podcast about some of history's most notorious, most notorious women. women. <laughs> I, mean, that, I, I mean, in the end there, so, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, oh, yes. Um, so, um, we, we only talked briefly, uh, before we started, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, uh, before we started That's officially me. the show. So, because I do yeah. have a little bit of a long one, but this week you're first, darling, so I will let you get started. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so this week? woman, my notorious woman, you might have seen her on the internet, um, going okay. around because, you know, right now a lot Uh-oh. of like, it's, no, she's actually really cool, and people are, like, okay. noticing, like, oh, who is this black human that no history class taught me? You know, like, more people are coming out of the woodwork, which is great, which is what we've been trying to do for three years, right? <laughs> like, let's, yeah. like, look at actual history and not white man history. Um <laughs> <laughs> which, I mean, Benjamin Franklin, he was great, but, like, not everything. Um, and so I saw someone was like, hey, check this woman out. And I was like, ooh, okay, let's talk about her. So I looked her up. Her name is Valerie L. Thomas. Have you heard of her? Valerie Valerie L. Thomas? Yeah. So, that is vaguely familiar. I, I really have more of her, just what she has done as opposed to her life. But we're just going to talk okay. about, like, I know a little bit. Like, don't know if she got married. Like, but she did some badass shit, so let's talk about it. She was okay, born yeah. February like 1943, right? Like, um, uh, so 1943. So she, um, not an easy year to be born, I think, in general. Uh, she was interested yeah. in science as a child. Uh, and after observing her father uh, tinkering with the television and seeing the mechanical parts inside the TV, uh, she was inspired. So when she was eight years old, she read the book. This is a book that existed, y'all. It was entitled The Boy's First Book on Electronics. So if you're someone who's what? like, no, what? it's just that boys tend towards science. It's the way their brains are designed. Untrue. They titled books the boy's first book on electronics. So, wow. like, right? Yeah. But she read it. She was like, I don't care. Um, and then she decided she wanted a career in science, eight years old. Her father would not wow. help her with the projects in the book, despite his own interest in electronics. Dude. At the all-girls high school, at the all-girls school she attended, she was not encouraged to pursue science and math. Uh, though she did manage to take a physics course. So I'm I assuming she had okay. to fight her way. Uh, she did not have a lot of support when she was a young child, while her parents and her school teacher did not fight for her right to study for the STEM. But she did have a few teachers who did fight for her. So mostly her school teachers and her parents did not at all. I mean, I am just so impressed that she knew and she, I mean, she had mm-hmm. enough people who fought for her, but in general, no. Uh, then she went on to attend Morgan State University. She was one of two women who majored in physics. She excelled in math wow. and science 
And after graduating with a degree in physics, she went on to work for NASA. In 1964, she began working for NASA as a data analyst. She developed real-time computer data systems to support satellite operation control centers from 1964 to 1970. Now, I'm going to go and tell you some things, and words are going to come out of my mouth. And maybe okay. you might know what I'm saying, but, like, I don't really know what I'm saying. But it sounds very impressive, so come be <laughs> impressed with me and or know what it is I'm talking about. Uh, she oversaw the creation of the Landsat program, which was 1970 to 1981, became an international expert in Landsat data products. In 1974, she headed a team of approximately 50 people, for the Large Area Crop Inventory Experiment, which is a joint effort with NASA's Johnson Space Center, the, Oce- the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, and the U.S. Department of Agriculture. So uh, LACI, which was the Large Area Crop Inventory Experiment, demonstrated the feasibility of using space technology to automate the process of predicting wheat yield on a worldwide basis. Now, how about you? But I don't know what that is. I'm also very impressed. Probably, uh, yeah. Helpful. This sounds like something fancy, you know. You know, like smart people oh, like do smart stuff. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And all I do is read about those things. Like I don't know what they are, but right. like I could also know, like, good job. Well done. Yeah. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Me too. Every Me time too. I think someone with science, I'm like, I am so sorry. Can you hear in my voice? I don't know what I'm saying. I like slept through science in high school and then didn't do any science in college. Majored in the you're like, I'm free at last, free. <laughs> I really was. I really was. And now I teach Pilates, which is a lot about anatomy. So I have this one science that makes perfect sense to me, and then everything else is like, I don't know why you're speaking words. Right. Because <laughs> um, I'm one of those people that if, I under, if I'm, like, interested, I'll get it. If I'm not interested, I'm like, la, 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 la. Um, mm-hmm. So in 1976, she attended an exhibition that included an illusion of a light bulb that was lit even though it had been removed from its socket. That sounds kind of cool. That I get. Wow, so illusion, yeah. Which involved another light bulb and concave mirrors, inspired her. So curious about how light and concave mirrors could be used in her work at NASA, she began a new research in 1977. So she created an experiment in which she observed how the position of a concave mirror would affect the real object that it reflected. I'm kind of understanding some of this, right? Aww, so yeah. using the technology, she would invent the illusion transmitter. Don't know what that is, but what I do know is that uh, October 21st, 1980, she obtained the patent for the illusion transmitter, which is a device that NASA continues to use today. So super cool. Helpful wow. I mean, I don't know what it does, but, like, it does something very important, clearly. So she's a woman and um, an African-American. She worked her way up to associate chief of the Space Science Data Operations Office at NASA. Now, I'm getting the idea, you know how we talk about all the time, like, if people stopped being such misogynist, racist bastards, right, then we would have cured cancer. 
we would have solved all the yes. problems. It appears yes. to me that NASA, while still very problematic, okay, um, kind of understood that a little bit quicker than other people did or other groups did or do. Um, just cause I, I, Maybe I, because I see they're a lot. They're, right. And they're just more about the brain. Um, they still should have like maybe like not had different bathrooms, right? Hey, kiddos. Um, like let's now, now hold on there. You're going too far there now. You're going too right. far there now. Right. Why did I? Why did I poke the bear? Why did I poke the bear? <laughs> um, but like I, anyway, so I'm gonna go on with more sciencey things. Some of you might know what I'm saying. So in 1985, she was the. Uh, Mm. NSSDC computer facility manager responsible for a major consolidation and reconfiguration of two previously independent computer facilities and infused it with new technology. Let's just go like that she like took her brain and like made things better. That's what I read. <laughs> okay. That's what I heard. Yeah. She, she then served as the Space Physics Analysis Network project manager from 1986 to 1990 during a period when SPAN underwent a major reconfiguration and grew from a scientific network from about 100 computer nodes to one directly connecting about 2,700 computer nodes worldwide. Wow. So I don't know what she did, but from 100 to 2,700, and she was in charge, badassery. Right? Wow. So in wow. 1990, SPAN became a major part of NASA science networking in today's Internet. She also participated in projects related to Halley's Comet, ozone research, satellite technology, and the Voyager spacecraft. At the end of August 1995, she retired from NASA and her position as Associate Chief of NASA's Space Science Data Operations Office, manager of the NASA Automated Systems Incident Response Capability, and as chair of the Space Science Data Operations Office Education Committee. So she was busy. And in 1995... Wow. You know, she'd done a lot by then. So after she retired, she served as an associate at the UMBC Center for Multicore, I'm exhausted, hybrid productivity research. So many words to make one unit, right? Uh, she yeah. continued to serve as a mentor for youth through the Science, Mathematic, Aerospace Research and Technology and National Technical Association. So many words. Uh, her invention showed up in a children's fictional book and would then be seen on television video games. So throughout her oh. career, she had high, she held high levels, uh, positions at NASA, uh, and she also authored many scientific papers and holds that patent for the illusion transmitter. She has received numerous awards, including the Goddard Space Flight Center Award of Merit and NASA's Equal Opportunity Medal. She had mentored countless students and youth through the Goddard Space Flight Center, the National Technical Association Women in Science and Engineering, and the National Technical Association and Science, Mathematics, Aerospace Research, and Technology Incorporated Program. So, I mean, there were so many words that I said. So that's Valerie Thomas. I don't know really much about her, like, personal life, but, like, maybe she doesn't want me to. So that's okay. Um, yeah, let's talk it, about her. I mean, it's extraordinary that a black woman born in 1943 is able to do all these things. It really, like, is. like especially considering 
Look, yeah, that were me. Against. Like, and my and parents imagine, were like, like "Nah, your girl." <laughs> you know, yeah, I but imagine how brilliant she is. And if she didn't come up yeah. against any kind of discrimination, imagine oh what she could accomplish. <laughs> right? Cure for cancer. Just saying. Just saying. I mean, we we wouldn't even know what that word meant because it would be done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's Valerie Thomas. Wow. Thank you. That's Valerie L. Thomas, huh? I've never heard of her. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it could be that because we're not STEM women ourselves, even though STEM women are. I was going to say, like, might be someone we might have known (laughs) if theater wasn't our, you know. (laughs) I know. If we wanted to be like, I want to be mom and dad. I want to be a a star. I want to be in the theater. You know. Right. We were looking um, elsewhere for inspiration. Thank God for people like Valerie. <laughs> okay. Really? True that. Yeah. Yeah. Right, like, my darling. Is, wow. Um, so my Notorious Woman this week, it's a little long, um, but it is, we would not be a proper uh, podcast about Notorious Women, some good, some bad, mm-hmm. if we did not eventually get to Lizzie Borden. I knew you were going to say oh. that. <laughs> How did I know? But I knew. I was like, like I, I can't wait for you to do it. <laughs> I can't wait for you to do it, but I was like, I mean, you know, I haven't done her because so many people have done her. And, like, there's a lot to get to know about Lizzie Borden, but it is pretty freaking interesting. Like, I went through a phase where, like, I kept seeing it come up all the time, and so I thought mm-hmm. it was, like, it's just being overdone. And then I was like, oh, I should do her, and I just never yeah. did. Um, I mean, like, it's, she's, she's kind of like Belle Gunness. She's kind of like Belle Gunness. Like, they're kind of obvious when you're doing, like, yeah. notorious women. Because, you know, most people think of the bad part of being notorious women, but as we have uh, shown with this podcast, you can be notorious for being mm-hmm. Valerie L. Thomas, like being brilliant. Right, okay. for telling your um, parents, no, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be bright and smart and change the world. I'll be right back. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so, but I was like, this time we do Lizzie Borden. So, um, All right. okay, so let me get to it. I'm so, so ready. Lizzie, okay. <laughs> Lizzie Borden was born on July 19th, 1860 and Fall River, Massachusetts, to Sarah Anthony Morse and Andrew Jackson Borden. Andrew um, Jackson. Now, Andrew Jackson Borden. What an Borden. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, One of our and, worst presidents. Yeah, terrible person. Um, mm-hmm. Now, despite her – I'm going to talk about her father a little bit. So now, even though that kind of goes okay. against, but it's important. It's important. So despite his wealth – Andrew Borden was known for his for being a cheapskate, basically. So mm-hmm. at the time that all of this happened, he was considered to be between three hundred and five hundred thousand dollars then, which is the equivalent of eight point five million dollars to about twelve million dollars um, in today's money. Wow! So he was worth a cool. lot of money. Um, he was a businessman. I mean, if you were three hundred thousand dollars today, I'm impressed. Very, very impressed. I know, right? Exactly. You know? exactly. <laughs> but like, the thing about him is that he was okay. So Fall River was known to be like a mining town. So like, he, okay. he owned a lot of the rental properties that the workers 
you know, rented from. Mm. And he yeah. also, you know, had um, a stake in um, the the mines and the mills. And so he knew if you got a raise, he would actually raise your rent. What a so, fucking asshole. That's like so, a super yeah, dick. Was, That's not just a dick. It's a super dick. Yeah, it's not. It's kind of like, I get it, dude. Like, that's why you have all that money. But, like, ho- like mm. people getting a raise is supposed to improve their life a little bit better. And yeah. you're just, like, under undermining that, undercutting that with inside information. So, Andrew's a bit of a dick. But yeah. despite that, he, he managed to find a wife. And his um, – and also – uh, to further illustrate what a cheapskate he was. So he was obviously mm. very well off, right? Even by today's standards, very well off. You would call that rich, actually. Um, yeah, so, he was, yeah. But the boarded house at the time of this incident, um, it lacked indoor plumbing and electricity. What? So even though, which was common for the time that wealthy people, he's a wealthy man. So yeah. now he lived... Uh, he lived on Second Street, um, and it was it was considered a, a pretty you know okay part of town. But the wealthiest residents of Fall River, including Andrew's cousins, generally lived in the more fashionable neighborhood called the Hill. The Hill was okay. farther away from the industrial areas of the city and was home to the wealthy white residents. So okay. he he kind of lived in a more working class, racially mixed neighborhood. But I don't think it's because he was a a, a, a like progressive, inclusive kind of guy. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think it's because cheaper and like, and actually, mm-hmm. their house had been redesigned. It was initially a two-unit um, house, and so they combined it to make a one-unit house, and they just put in like a weird staircase. Like it's just very odd. It was just a very, very odd kind of thing. His cheapskate. And, and I get it because that's probably how he got all that money. But then what's the use of having money if you don't really enjoy it, right? I mean, so, if I had $300,000 in today's money, I would get plumbing. I would undoubtedly have running water. Yeah. And I think it's probably equivalent of living in Hollywood, like on a nice block. But you're kind of in Hollywood. I mean, now they're building up Hollywood. But, like, where well, people would live ago, in Hancock Park. Yeah, right. like, yeah, like, whereas well, the people live in Hancock Park, and they're like, why are you not in Hancock Park? It's, like, nearby, dude. It's a little bit further away, but it's much money. Right there. Like, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, That's where so I was going. Anyway. She, yeah. Now, when Lizzie was two years old, when she was just two, her mother died. Now, okay, so mm-hmm. now Lizzie has an older sister by the name of Emma, who's 10 years older okay. than her. And then there was another sister that was born between Emma and Lizzie, but she died. Uh, when she was oh. a child. And so um, then Lizzie came. Um, Lizzie's the third child, so Lizzie survived. I believe, actually, uh, the other daughter, the other sister, died after Lizzie was born, maybe. Maybe Lizzie was, like, one or something. Mm. Uh, but I couldn't really find the okay. details of that. So, um, but Lizzie's mother died when she was two. So three years later, when she was about five, her father, Andrew, married a woman by the name of Abby Durfee Gray. Now... Mm-hmm. Though, uh, so Lizzie's older sister was named Emma Lenora Borden. Now, even though, so Lizzie, so if Lizzie was two, uh, Emma was about 12 when Abby right. became their stepmother. Now, by all accounts, now this is varying accounts. People said that 
Lizzie and Emma kind of tolerated Abby. They didn't really like her because Emma thought Abby was marrying her dad for money. Um, and mm. it may or may not have been. I mean, he's an eligible man. He probably needed, he also needed a woman to help him raise two daughters. So yeah, I blame yeah. Andrew. Um, and, you know, so, um, but Lizzie, some people, some accounts said that Lizzie called, um, Abby, um, um, mother. Emma never okay. did, but then later on they had kind of had a falling out and they all stopped calling and they both started, stopped calling her mother and they called her Mrs. Borden. But oh. some say that they called her and maybe they just called her a mother in front of their father because they, they, they did love their father and they had a really good relationship with him. It seems like oh. they were the only two that he and maybe his wife uh, that <laughs> he actually had a soft spot he was for. Nice too. So, mm, I guess so. Yeah, so – he, and he looked after his daughters. He did, you know, he did right by them as far as, you know, by even today's standards. So, so they, so some people said that Emma never kind of warmed to her and then Lizzie did, but then later on for uh, a reason I'll get into in just a minute, she stopped calling her mother too and referred to her as Mrs. Borden, which is like, ooh, that's like a, that's like a, mm. you know, no, no back mm-hmm. then. But eventually yeah. they kind of were cordial, for the most part, they were cordial to Abby for their father's sake, right? So, because they were dutiful daughters. Now, um, so he married Abby. Um, Now, growing up, Lizzie and Emma had a relatively religious upbringing and attended Central Congregational Church. As a young woman, Lizzie was involved in church activities, including teaching Sunday school to children of recent immigrants to the U.S. She was also involved in Christian organizations such as the Christian Endeavor Society, for which she served as secretary, treasurer, and contemporary social movement, such as the Women's Christian Temperance Union. <laughs> yes. Um, she was also a member of the Ladies' First and Flower Mission. Um, now, in addition to her religious work, she was an avid animal lover. Avid. Like, she loved oh. all kinds of animals. And even as an adult, uh, especially around this time of the event I'm going to get into, she had actually pet pigeons. In the family's barn, she was keeping pet pigeons. Oh gosh! Wow. Yeah. So she was just a crazy Mm. animal—not crazy, but she just loved all kinds of animals, not just cats or just dogs. She loved all kinds of animals. Um, Unfortunately, that's just—I mean, maybe that's like a wrong thing to say, but I just think it's gross. Well, I think because we live in New York City too. That's the problem. That is the problem. Yeah. No, it's true. Because I never noticed them before I lived there, so it could be that. No, I never. Um, I, I think you're totally right. And then I did. Yeah, I never. Like, ah! yeah. Now, unfortunately, in May of 1892, so we're in 1892, and Lizzie was born in 1860, okay. so she's in her early 30s. Um, okay. Andrew, their father, killed multiple pigeons, killed the pigeons in the barn with a hatchet, believing they were attracting local children to, you know, hang out what? with the house. Yeah. Okay. So he just went in. He was like, it's caused a problem. I'm going to kill the pigeon. Knowing how much she loved the pigeon. So obviously she would have been upset. Very, very. I mean, I'm not yeah. about pigeons, but that would really upset me too. Like, what? I feel like that's and a little aggressive. How about let's have a conversation? Let's let the pigeons go. Yeah. And and also, he and then Abby was to make a pigeon like pie on top of it. Like, so back then, oh. wait, not want not. He, he oh, definitely wasn't a man to kill pigeons and not eat them. Yeah. Come yeah. on. They, they, I mean, they have 
look, I get it, waste not, want not, but these people did not want not. You know what I'm saying? They wanted yeah, not. Yeah, and they're her pet, you know, and it's not like, yeah, that would have really upset her. Don't um, eat the pet. Yeah. And to make matters worse, earlier in the year, so this is in May when he killed the pigeons, earlier mm-hmm. in the year, tensions had been growing within the family and the months before over Andrew. So their father had given gifts of real estate to various branches of Abby's family, Abby's stepmother. Uh, I mean, their okay. stepmother. So yeah. they, he actually gave a house to Abby's sister. Um, and so Emma and Lizzie were like, what the fuck? Uh, we over here. Yeah. We are your daughters. Mm. You need to look after us, and da da da. So, so he's like, okay, fine. So he gave them um. They so he had give, given them a rental property of okay. a house to that own? they had lived or in until like their you. mother had died. No, to, to own. Oh, okay. And so what they would oh, do okay. is they would get the they would get the income from the rental property. Oh, I yeah. Okay. So on paper, he sold it to them for a dollar. Okay. Okay. So he's given his daughter, he's taking care of his daughters, and he, by all times, he was never really stingy with them. I'm sure it was hard for them as young women having money and probably going to school with people who have money, but living kind of in not such a nice neighborhood. Yeah. They kind of wanted to live yeah, like rich women, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, it's still hard now, so, so I can imagine back then. Yeah. Now, weeks before, um, like, so, um, so after that, so weeks before they, uh, it's February, they actually sold the property back to their father for $5,000. Oh my God. <laughs> Which is the equivalent of $142,000 in today's <laughs> He sold it to them for a dollar. They sold it back to them for 5000 You want it back? Um, Here's the cost. Yeah. And then, so there's a lot of tension about the money, the grievances. And then in the beginning, and they're getting older too. So if Lizzie's 32, Emma's uh, 42. So, you know, they kind of want, you know, yeah. why are you giving this strange woman a house? You know, at this point, he's been married to Abby for 20 years. So over 20 years. So she's not a strange woman. So maybe she's you not know, a she's strange wife. woman. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But I, in their minds, they're like, she's not family. You know how that goes. And it's about money, yeah. right? So, Always. Um, and I can imagine he's that annoying kind of guy. Like, you know, even when they were young women, they probably wanted nice, pretty things. And he's like, no. He didn't deny them, like, food and shelter. But he's probably not going to be buying them, like, fancy dresses. and right. You know what I mean? Like, he's yeah, he's not. he doesn't sound Those like Those cute new shoes at, them, like, at the corner store. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now also, uh, in the beginning of August, the entire family, uh, had become violently ill from, these people are so cheap, from five-day-old oh mutton that had been left on the stove for uh. meals. Ew. Mutton. Okay. Five-day-old mutton. There's a whole what series is on anyway, tell you this. Like, Mike, uh-huh. it makes me think of, like, a, a mutt, like a dot, like, you know, so it's just, like, random scraps of meat shoved together. But I might be making that up. I have no idea. Yeah, All I, I don't think no that's one's a... serving mutton. No one's serving mutton, and it's just – and then you leave it out on the stove. Now, oh, I also forgot. Oh, so mutton is yeah. meat from sheep 
over two years old. But it's less tender uh, and flesh. So, um, it's probably disgusting yeah. when it's so, fresh and not going to poison you. Because I'm not a lamb. I'm, I'm not one of those lamb people. I, I don't like the uh, taste of lamb. I think it, because I never acquired a taste when I was younger. So the first time I had really? it, it was like, I think I was in college. And I was like, I don't <laughs> like this. So I think it's like you either you like it You might just not, like not like it. Because like, yeah, I don't like goat either. either. was like, 25 and he loves it so yeah i didn't like uh i don't like goat yeah either. i've had goat i've had yeah i've so. had what did it have like ox or something and i was like yeah it's fine but it's not for me yeah and and and, and it's a shame because i have a lot of caribbean friends and they you know that's a you know that you know goat and uh is big in the caribbean and i've, I've yeah, tried it yeah. and i just can't get into it so I think it might be, um, but mutton, I have a feeling, is not as good as lamb. <laughs> no, I think you would old. hate it. I think you would spit it out and be like, I'm going to be hungry instead of consuming this. Well, and also they've been, they left it out on the stove and then around, so during the time, it's the summertime and it's really hot in Fall River. Did so we it's not like have, 100 degrees. Do we not have the science to not do this yet? I mean, we must I have, mean, right? I, because... You know, like they had a uh, an ice box, but I would imagine because Andrew's a cheapskate that it wasn't the best ice box. <laughs> oh my god! It's like Ugh. so, you know. But it's so weird. But instead of being like, oh, we're getting sick from the mutton, Abby actually feared that they had been because they all got really, really sick. Abby well, uh, yeah. said that she felt like they were being poisoned because Andrew no. had you know jealous people. Oh my Abby, god. Maybe it's the mutton on the stove. Look at the mutton on the stove. Oh, my God. Like, germ theory. Were we not there yet? Have we not discovered it? Like, this one feels... I I don't know. She told the doctor that she thought their their milk had been poisoned. But anyway, so all this is going on. And so then, and then on August 3rd, John Vinica Morse, uh, their Lizzie and Emma's uh, uh, maternal uncle, um, so their deceased mother's brother, he, he visited and was invited to stay for a few days to discuss business matters with Andrew. Um, so, you know, it's an extra person in the house. Oh, and I forgot also, so after the whole thing with Abby and her sister in the house, Emma and, yeah. um, uh, uh, Lizzie got very, very angry and they both went away, like from the house, like on, for a Where'd couple weeks go? to get, get over being oh, wow. angry. They just went away mm-hmm. and like, so they were very, very angry about this money. And money brings that out in people. If you think people are, are yeah. um, you know, closing in on your inheritance, you know, you might not be so happy about it. Um, and then, um, now some reports say that when their uncle came that Lizzie didn't even speak to him. She was, I don't know why she was mad at him because that's her mother's brother, but you yeah. know, maybe she was just out of sorts. Um, but, um, yeah, they and then other reports said that no, there was you know it was fine. She did she wasn't like really really close with him because he didn't visit a lot, but he was visiting on that day. So he was invited to stay for okay. a few days. So he actually slept in the guest house uh, when he came uh, August third. Now on that same day, Lizzie was reportedly to have seen trying to buy this thing called plastic acid to clean a seal uh, a seal skin coat. Um, but she was unable oh, to do okay. so from the pharmacist. So 
Now, so this is August 3rd. So that night, everyone, including the uncle, they go to bed, always peaceful, as peaceful as can be, that people who are annoyed about money and, you know, mm-hmm. and it's hot yeah. as hell, too. Um, the next morning on August 4th, after breakfast, Andrew, Abby, Lizzie, the uncle, and the Borden's maid. Now, <laughs> this is also an insight into Lizzie and Emma. So the Borden's maid mm-hmm. was named Bridget. Her name was Bridget. Okay. But they insisted on calling Bridget Maggie because their previous servant was named Maggie. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. Whew. I don't, I mean, they were just like, Bridget's probably like, when they're calling her Maggie, she's like, they're like, where are you? She's like, my name is Bridget. Oh. Um, not my name. That's not my name. Not my name. Say my name. So, I mean, what? Wow. Yeah. I can't so, be to learn one <laughs> more name. Nope. I am so you. privileged. Yeah. You. Over there. So that's a, that's a little insight into them. So the yeah, next morning, uh, after breakfast, everybody's in the house, including uh, Bridget. I'm going to call her by her actual mm-hmm. name, Bridget. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andrew, fair, yeah. Andrew and the uncle uh, were in the sitting room where they chatted for nearly an hour. Um, okay. And then the uncle left around 8, 8.45, 8.48 to buy a pair of oxen and visit his niece in Fall River for the day. Uh, and he was okay. planning on returning – actually, he was planning on returning back uh, to the house uh, by lunchtime at noon. Um, oh, Andrew okay. left for a morning walk sometime after 9. Um, and then – now, although – so the men are out of the house. And although the cleaning of the guest room was one of Lizzie and Emma's regular chores, because they had regular chores, maybe that's why they were also annoyed by Abby. Um, mm-hmm. Abby actually went up to uh, between 9 and 10.30 to tidy up and actually clean up the guest bedroom that John had just stayed in the night before. You know, she's just changing linen and straightening up. Straightening yeah. up. Um, oh, I also forgot one thing. So about a year before, someone, <laughs> put that in quotes, uh-huh. had broken into the house, had come into the house and stolen, like, a hundred dollars and like a ticket to some it was just some some random stuff. So Andrew had decided to lock all of the doors in the house. So it was a door it was a house that had closed doors everywhere. Oh that's and creepy. each door was locked. Isn't that creepy? So you needed the key yeah. So you needed the key wow. to get from one room to the next. And it's also a pain in the ass. Like it's just a pain in the ass. It's that's believed pain that Lizzie yeah, that Lizzie had taken the money in the this thing. This was the problem. And I and I everyone mean, knew it, but Andrew couldn't admit it because you know she's a she's a proper upper class lady. He can't admit it. I wonder if it's one of those things that he 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 provided for them with the money with a uh, housing and food, but he didn't give them much extra money. I wonder if it's I one of those. Yeah, things. I I have a feeling you know. it's. it's he sounds like that kind of you will learn, except you, you're not really giving them life skills. So it's like you will learn. You could do that if you're then encouraging them to go get a job to get for themselves, but you're not. You're basically just like. But they're also, here, it's also 1892. It's also 1892. Right. And there aren't really yeah. many jobs women could get. But I also think that. 
he was trying. I think if they had shown an interest in real estate, like like when he gave them that, when he sold them the rental property yeah. for a dollar. I think, I think as they like I took think, that rental property, spruced it up, made it interesting, yeah. managed to like raise the rent well above what it should have been, he would have been real proud, you know. He would have been real been, like, proud here. and then maybe given them more responsibility. Again, all of this is speculation, yeah. but. It just, totally, I can yeah. see the grievances on their end because they're boy, because they're like, you have the money, dad. Why are you being such an asshole? Yeah. And they're not young, young women. They're women who want to go places, want to go tour and, you know, and they're hanging out with other people whose family do give them money, like an allowance. You know, I think if he right. gave them an allowance, yeah. he should because they're women and they're, what job are they going to get? And they're not married. But I, I bet you yeah. it's a very modest allowance. It just was more no. modest than the people of their class had. Right, right. And, and I get it, but he also sounds like, it, it sounds like he, he's a bit of a dick, but they also, they seem uh, entitled. They're they couldn't even yeah, bother to remember, call Bridget by her actual name. So, Could um, you call her so by he, her name? Okay, sorry, call her. <laughs> call her by her name. Uh, so Andrew went on for a, a walk, a morning walk after about nine. And like I said, um, uh, Abby went upstairs to clean up, you know, to tidy up. Right. Um, and so Andrew returned. So and when Andrew returned back for his walk around 1030, his key would open. So he'd knock for attention to, to be let in. Okay. Bridget went to unlock it. Now, so b- before I get to that, so he, he, so the men went out of the house. Abby's like, I'm going to go upstairs and, you know, make sure everything's okay since John is visiting, <clears throat> the uncle. Right. Um, so Bridget supposedly went out uh, outside of the house to wash the windows. And then okay. Lizzie was supposed to go up and do some ironing or something she said she had, right? Um, okay. So according to uh, Lizzie, while her and her stepmother in the house, someone came with a note. To say that to mm. say that one of Abby's friends was sick and that she was supposed to go and visit them. So she said that Abby left. So she was the only okay. one in the house. So when okay. John, so when Andrew comes back around ten thirty and can't get in, Bridget uh, lets him in. So she goes down and so she she went to the door and it was jammed. The door was jammed, um, according mm. to Bridget, um, which okay. is why he probably couldn't get in. So. And she was just like, she kind of like was like, damn it, what's going on? So she she later testified that when she yelled out, like, what's going on with the door? She heard Lizzie laughing upstairs from Mm. from somewhere. Whoa. She said she didn't see Lizzie, but she, that the laughter was coming from the top of the stairs. Lizzie later denied being upstairs and testified that her father had asked her where Abby was. Um, So anyway, so Andrew comes in. She says that she greeted her father, um, and okay. um, he asked her, where did Abby go? So she's like, oh, a sick friend called her, da-da-da. So he's like, okay, I'm a little tired, so I'm going to go, I'm going to lay down for a little bit. Because, again, they're all still kind of weak and sick from the mutton. <laughs> right, right. Almost and it's really that. hot. It's really, yeah. really hot. It's like they said it was like 100 degrees that day or something, right? So, so he, So Lizzie said that, she uh, helped her father into a sitting room. She removed his boots and helped him into his slippers before he lay down on the couch for a nap. Um, okay. Which later on, photos show him wearing boots, not slippers. So who knows? So then. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. 
But so her testimony was that she took off his shoes. His boots and, and helped him put on his slippers his, so he can lay down for it. And, but yeah. we have pictures of him sleeping with the boots on. Yes. Probably not so much true. Okay, got it. Okay. Right. So then her, so her father's laying down. So then she turns to Bridget, and she's like, oh, Bridget, there's a sale on, I don't know, ribbon or something at the department store. <laughs> And I'll let you go okay. if you want to go. And Bridget's like, uh, I don't feel well, and I've been working in this hot as heat, yeah. cleaning windows, and I'm pretty sure you people are poisoning me. Yeah. So Bridget's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> so she went and take a nap in her own bedroom instead. Right. So she let, later testified that she was in her third floor room, resting from cleaning okay. the windows, when just before 10, uh, 11, 10, so Andrew comes home around 10.30, so around 11.10, Bridget testifies okay. that she heard Lizzie call from downstairs, Maggie, come quick. <laughs> Father's dead. Somebody came oh my and God. killed him. Right? So Bridget rushes down. Andrew was yeah. walked over on a couch in the downstairs sitting room, struck uh, 10th or 11 times with a hatchet-like weapon from as far as as far as they could see. Okay. One of his eyelids, oh eyeballs, one of his eyeballs had been split cleanly in two, Ow! suggesting that he had been asleep when he was attacked. But Ow! he was still bleeding. So it had just happened when Bridget came down. So, of course, can you imagine you're like, oh, mutton, and you come out, what? This, what is going on? So they freak out. What the um, fuck? Yeah. Yeah. So Lizzie sends Bridget across the street to get the doctor who lives across the street. Uh, she, so uh, Bridget runs over. She comes back with the doctor. He asks where, uh, where, where the stepmother is, Abby. And then that's when Lizzie's like, oh, someone came with a sick, uh, with a note about a sick friend, but, you know, uh, the last time I saw her, she was up on the second floor or whatever. But she may have come back. I don't know, right? So, oh, my God. Uh, so Bridget, so they're like, go on upstairs. Bridget's like, I'm not going upstairs by myself. Mm-hmm. There's a killer in the house. No, no. Bridget is all of us. Bridget is all of us. Yeah. So by this time, the alarm has gone off. So a neighbor by the name of Mrs. Churchill, she goes upstairs with Bridget. And what they see okay. when they go upstairs to – the guest room area is the stepmother yeah. who apparently was 240 pounds. She was a big woman. Oh, a big woman. Yeah. Um, was sprawled out on the floor with the back of her head split open. Oh. So, yeah. Oh. So the alarm goes out. Yeah. So oh, when detectives arrive. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So when detectives arrived, they estimate Andrew's death had a, a, a occurred approximately 11 a.m., according to, okay. you know, because his was still fresh. Um, according to forensics investigation, Abby, the stepmother, was facing her killer at the time of the attack. She was first struck on the side of the head with a hatchet, which cut her just above the ear, causing her to turn and fall face down on the floor, creating oh, a nose and forehead. Her killer then struck her multiple times, delivering 17 more direct hits to the back of her head, killing her. Whoa. Now. Yeah. Now, she's 240 pounds. So she hits the floor. You should hear it in the house. You should hear that. Oh, yeah. 
Lizzie's like, I didn't hear anything, right? So, mm-hmm. um, because they had determined that Abby was killed first because her wounds were, you know, older than Andrew. So Lizzie would have been the only one in the house by her own testimony. But she said she didn't hear nothing, yeah. right? Nope. So, she sure said now, that out loud. Now, I just want to put this in perspective. This is 1892. No one's thinking, like, this is a terrible, bloody, like, physical crime. You wouldn't necessarily think, like, a a well-off girl from a, a rich man's daughter who, you know, went to good schools and who's a proper lady would kill somebody. Like, so you're not people thinking are just sort of freaking yeah. out. Yeah, you're like, what madman came in here and chopped these people up? It has to be a madman, right? It has to be a madman. Right. But, it's a crazy the officers, right? But the officers at the at the time said that they they didn't really like Lizzie. They didn't think that she responded in a way that a person that had come upon two bodies, one being her dad, would respond. I don't think that necessarily means anything because you know they said that she was too calm yeah. and poised. But it could be who knows I mean, how people react. It's it's so unbelievable, right? It's like an unbelievable thing that happened. And I can see you being so horrified that you're dumbstruck, like silent almost. You're like, this can't but be happening. This you is would terrible. still be like dumbstruck and not like, I don't know, officer. I wonder what happened. You know, I feel like there'd still be like, you'd see it. I mean, I mean, I get it. It's but some people I, are hysterical and some people are mute and right. some people, you know. It's just a woman, so they expect her to be hysterical. But. I will say that they didn't really, even though they didn't really sort of like, quote, unquote, her attitude, uh, they didn't really bother to check her for blood stains at the time. And actually, this is going to come into effect in the trial. So they did search her room, though, once everybody got there, but it was sort of like a cursory inspection. And apparently, I think around the time there was like a a police uh, convention outside of town, so a lot there, so they were staffed. (laughs) <laughs> and they walked through the crime scene. They didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't no CSI. Like they were not. Right. Yeah. They didn't all really kinds know of what to do. Yeah. For real. Yeah. So they, you know, later on they'd be criticized for their lack of diligence at the time of this terrible, terrible um, discovery. Um, so during the initial search, uh, also during this initial search in the basement, police found two hatchets, two axes, and a hatchet head with a broken handle. The hatchet head was suspected of being the murderer weapon as the break in the handle appeared fresh and the ash and dust on the head, unlike that on the other two bladed uh, tools, appeared to have been deliberately applied to make it look as if, uh, so basically they thought the one that didn't have a hatchet head, uh, I mean, didn't have a handle, like kind of dust was kind of put all over to make it seem like it had been there all the time in the barn. Okay. Um, So, but none of these tools were removed from the house. Again. Dude, what, dude, what are you doing? Like, yeah, they, they, yeah. Oh my god, they screwed up. Yeah. Now, uh, because I mean, you step know, number the one, the murder weapon. Oh my god. Come just on, take man. all the hatchets and axes. Like, take them all. Like, yeah. Um, you, was there a murder in the house? Take all the hatchets. Yeah. And it's eighteen ninety two. No, at this time they're thinking some madman had come from outside. They're thinking. You know, some Portuguese man, like, because uh, in a <laughs> town, a Portuguese a man had killed a family or something. And, it's, yeah, it's always a foreigner, a swarthy foreigner, right? Of course. So, of course. Yeah, there you go. 
because of the quote unquote mysterious illness that had stricken the family uh, before the murders, the family's milk and Andrew and Abby's stomachs um, were tested for poison, but none were found because it's the mutton. Uh, five day old mutton yeah. will do that. Any uh, five day old chicken will do that to you. It's just in the heat. Five day old. Not a good thing. Any sort of anything sitting in the heat, bad idea. Like, like that. It's not better if you put vegetables on it or like salt. That's not gonna. It's, no, um, they no. Have, they like a sauce. Have like a sauce. Yeah, yeah. They just they just basically have food poison. So now Lizzie and Emma's friend Alice Russell. So you know this is this is a terrible, terrible, gruesome thing. Did you? Now I will say oh, that yeah. once they search the the rooms where the murders had taken place, nothing was out of place. So it's not like it was a struggle. Everything was perfectly in order except the bloody hatchet by hatcheted body hmm. laying in the room. So, um, so yeah, the idea of a, a stranger coming in, and again, all the rooms are locked. You need a key to get right. in all the rooms. Right. Which I'm just, I'm just gonna lay that anyway. Yeah. So, like, so, so how their would, friend Alex yeah. Russell. Decided to stay the night with them following the murders while um, Uncle John spent the night in the attic guest room. Um, and some people, I mean, you know the newspaper, like, ooh, and he slept in the murder guest room. No, he slept in Bridget's <laughs> uh, guest room. Or there, there might have been another room up there in the uh, attic where Bridget's room was. I'm sure so he went police were, elsewhere. Yeah, I wouldn't have right. stayed in that house. Nope. I would have found your uh, uncle in... Every town had an inn. Yeah. I would have gone there. I mean, I guess, you know, he's thinking, I got to be here for my nieces. This is terrible. Some madman has come in. I'm going to protect them. So it could be that, too. Um, okay, that's now, true. I didn't think of that because I might know something. Yeah. Go on. Now, police were stationed around the house on the night of August 4th, the day of the murders, during which an officer said he had seen uh, Lizzie enter the cellar with uh, Alice carrying a kerosene lamp mm. and a, a slot bail, a pail. He stated he saw both women exit the cellar, after which Lizzie returned alone, though he was unable to see what she was doing. Um, he said it looked like she was, uh, like, bending over a sink. So who knows? It, all of a sudden, you never know afterwards if people are like, yeah, I saw this. And it's like, that's probably nothing good. Yeah. Um, probably chores, you know, or something um, that he's not privy to because he's a dude. Um, now, right. on August 6th, Police conducted a more thorough search of the house. So this is two days later, inspecting the sister's clothing and confiscating the broken-handled hatchet head. That evening on the 6th, a police officer and the mayor visited the Bordens, and Lizzie was informed that she was a suspect in the murders. Because, you know, first they were like, the Portuguese, and then uh, I think Lizzie said that she had heard her father arguing with a tenant about money or, or something. And, like, I mean, I, I have a feeling Andrew wasn't the most, popular guy because he's a cheapskate. He's probably, probably true. Like, like he, he, yeah. I mean, so, he probably but, did have arguments with people all the time. Cause all the time. kind of an asshole. But, yeah. So, it, it doesn't mean he yeah. deserves to be hatcheted up. We're not no, going to that. But no, I would say there's a lot right. of suspects. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess they had, you know, looked into all of those and came up empty. So they informed her that she was that she was one, she was a suspect in the murders. So the next morning on the seventh, um, Alice entered the kitchen to find Lizzie. She she testified later on tearing up a dress. 
Um, she explained that she was planning, um, Lizzie said that she was planning to put it on the fire because it was covered in paint. It was never determined whether it was the dress she had been wearing on the day of the murders, however, because she managed to burn it up. Later on on the wow. day, Emma said that, no, there was a dress with paint on it, so she probably was just getting rid of it. But it's very suspicious that you're told you're like, suspect really? in a murder. Yeah. And then you're, like, tearing up and burning a dress. So that is suspicious. It's suspicious. I'll give you that. Now, Mm. the next day after that, on the 8th, Lizzie testified at the inquest hearing. Her request to have her family attorney present was refused under a state statute providing that an inquest must be held in private. She had been, because she was nervous and she was, you know, distraught, obviously. She had been prescribed regular doses of morphine to calm her nerves. And, Mm. and it's, and, her, it definitely affected her testimony. Her behavior was erratic, and she often refused to answer a question, even if the answer would be beneficial to her. She often contradicted herself wow. and provided alternating accounts of the morning in question, such so as saying she was in the kitchen reading a magazine when her father arrived home, then saying she was in the dining room doing some ironing, and then saying she was coming down the stairs. She also said she removed her father's boots and put on the slippers, like I told you, but the photograph right. shows that he was wearing boots. Um, so it was mm. all over the place, but she was under morphine. So who knows? But she never admitted to, even under the influence of morphine, she never said, oh, yeah, I did it. And, you know, she always denied, mm-hmm. you That's know. Impressive. Yeah. So now on August 11th, uh, she was served with a warrant of arrest and jailed. The inquest testimony, the basis for the modern debate regarding her guilt or her innocence, was later ruled inadmissible at trial. When she went to trial. Oh. Um, yeah. Now, newspapers reports, of course, they were crazy. Like, they were like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. It's got hatchet, money, family, <laughs> all this stuff. A woman. They reported. Right? Yeah. They reported that Lizzie possessed, quote, a solid demeanor and bit her lips, flushed and bent towards Attorney Adams. Um, it was also reported that the testimony provided in the inquest had caused a change of opinion among her friends who has heretofore strongly maintained her innocence, end quote. Oh. So, yeah, the inquest received a lot of press nationwide, including an extensive three-page write-up in the Boston Globe. Uh, A grand jury began hearing evidence on November 7th, and Borden was indicted. Lizzie was indicted on December 2nd. Wow. Because, you know, they kind of were like, she's, there's no way a woman did this crime. Like, it's so bloody. Like, how yeah. did a woman do, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, so in people's mind, there's like, no, there's no way. I mean, it's Lizzie heavy. Your father. Yeah. Yeah. And also, but a like, man and a woman killing a man or a woman is different. And, like, yeah, it just seems like I could see why they would be confused because they're like, well, Lizzie's the only one in the house, but there's no way Lizzie did it. There's no way she did it. It's, it can't be, right? So, mm. um, but. She was indicted. Now, the trial, the actual trial didn't start. So she was indicted on December 2nd. The trial didn't start until the following year on June 5th, 1893. Oh, wow. New Bedford, Massachusetts. Yeah. Now, prosecuting attorneys were Hosea M. Knowlton and future U.S. Supreme Court Justice William H. Moody. Uh, defending, okay. uh, def- uh, defending, uh, Lizzie, were Andrew V. Jennings, Melvin O. Adams, and former Massachusetts Governor George D. Robinson. Oh, um, wow. That's now, a, quite the yeah. team. Well, she's got the money, too. So, 
Now, yes. in the trial, or press coverage of the trial, uh, was the hatchet head, the hatchet head was found in the basement, which was not convincingly demonstrated by the prosecution to be the murder weapon. Because again, they don't really know because there's like a, there's a hatchet, there's an axe, like, and like, also I think it's because they didn't do their due diligence when they went there on yeah. the day of the murders. So who if knows they had. what happened to the murder right. weapon? Yeah. Now, prosecutors argued that the killer had removed the handle because it would have been covered in blood. But I'm like, so would the hatch in the hand. It would have been covered in blood, I too. Mean, but maybe it was harder right? to off, maybe? I don't know, girl. I, you know what? I um, don't know much about hatchets, to be honest with you. Neither. Or bloody killing <laughs> uh, objects. So, right, now, yeah, I'm not one, so well-versed. Now, one officer testified that a hatchet handle was found near the hatchet head, but another officer contradicted that. So, again, they bungled this whole thing. They really did. Yeah, this bad have. police work. So, so though no bloody clothing was found at the scene, um, Alice Russell testified. She testified about the burnt dress, saying Lizzie burned the dress after she had been te- notified that she was a suspect right. in the kitchen stove. Um, now, during the course of the trial, defense never attempted to challenge the statement. I guess because, again, Emma had said, yeah, there, no, that wasn't anything. It was just a burnt dress. Like, it, it did have paint on it. Like, whatever. Um, I mean, now, wouldn't Emma try to protect also, her sister? Yeah, she would. She would. I mean. Um, right? Now, Lizzie's timeline in the house, again, this is a house where all the doors are locked. It's just hard. And Lizzie's testimony keeps, I don't know if because she's nervous, but it keeps changing. So so her timeline in the house was a point of dispute during the trial. According to testimony, Bridget, the maid, entered the second floor of the house at around 1058 and left Lizzie and her father downstairs. Um, Lizzie told several people at this time. So remember when I said that that Andrew came back and Lizzie said that she put him, you know, in the the room and and took off his Mm -hmm. boots and put on his slippers uh, and then went upstairs. Um, So... So Bridget basically said when she came back in from washing the windows, she saw Lizzie. Yeah. And remember, Lizzie was like, oh, you could go down there. There's a special on ribbons and lace. I mean, and Bridget's like, nah, I'm not feeling well. So The fact that Lizzie said, said that, I'm sorry. She can't learn her name. She's yeah. going to let her go to the store and get something on sale. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. <laughs> you only do that she to people it. whose name you're willing to learn. Okay. <laughs> Hey, what's your face? Want to go get some ribbons on sale? No, said no one ever, okay? Yeah. Oh, what's your face? That's so funny. Oh, my God. I didn't think about that. That is so true. That's so true. Right? So, we're just like, uh, no, I'm tired because I actually have a job. So, I'm going to go up and right. take a nap. And she said that she left. You don't know what that's like, but I'm going to go nap. Right. Right. At 10.58. This is what she's saying. So Lizzie told okay. several people that at this time she went into the barn. So now she's saying she's in the barn and was what? not in the house for 20 minutes or possibly a half an hour. Now, again, it's 100 degrees, so she's just hanging out in the bar- barn. I you mean, one, the barn? Uh, yeah, one source said she was eating peaches or something. And I'm like, what What are you doing? Okay. And women yeah. had on 50, 50, 11 layers of clothing yeah. back then. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nope. She was not in the bar. So, no one believes that. So, 
Rich is like, I'm out, bitches. I'm going to take a nap, 10.58. Lizzie's like, oh, I think I went to the barn. Now, um, right. now a neighbor by the name of Hyman Lubin, Lubin, Lubinsky testified for the defense that he saw Lizzie leaving the barn, leaving the barn at 11.03. And then another neighbor, um, Charles Gardner, confirmed the time. So, Wait, so 11.03, so she went to the barn for four minutes. I mean, if the I murder mean, happened around 11, who knows, right? So it's like, so, and again, I'm like, how do you know it's 11.03? Hatchet, 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 like, go to the barn. Yeah, how do you know it's 10.58 or 11.03, really? Unless you're looking at your watch, and so, I, mean, I don't know. Like, I never know what time it is. I me either, unless something is happening at that time. So right. now at eleven ten, uh Lizzie said she called <laughs> Bridget, I'm gonna call her by her name, and told her so so Lizzie saying she came back into after after being at the barn, she came back in and was like, Oh my god, father's been murdered. So then she yelled up <laughs> at Bridget and then all of the what I said happened. That's what that's what Lizzie said, right? So um, okay. So they got the doctor, and then now, so during the trial, girl, it was sensational. I bet this was crazy. I bet people like read news. They were selling crazy newspapers because I mean, honestly, trial, I would be reading about this. Go on. Yeah. Me too. They brought out both of the victims' heads because they had chopped the head. Oh, oh my god! Uh, they removed the heads during the autopsy, and the skulls were admitted as evidence during the trial. And presented on June fifth, eighteen ninety three. Upon oh seeing God. them in the courtroom, Lizzie fainted. Oh my word! Oh, 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 oh. I mean, my dainty complexion. It's not yeah. the right word I used, but yeah, no, I would have fainted dead for real. That's crazy! They're bringing heads into the courtroom. That's crazy. Oh, are you watching so. the show? Total side note: Are you watching the show The Great on Netflix? No, how is it? How is it? It's really good. It's really good. It's I like that it's like kind of a true story. And of course yeah, I Googled yeah, the real true story. But um Yeah. It it's really it's really amusing. And um there are also heads chopped at some point that you know, that's really horrific. Anyways, go on. Oh, no, I'm not going to give it's it away. In France, right? Oh no, it's said in uh it's Russia, said in right? so like Russia. 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 They just like ate with the head. Let bring in the heads, and then they're eating dessert. And I thought, even I would walk away from dessert at that point. Um, People are so barbaric but, back then, man. I tell you. Oh my god, a rough god. world, man. Was, I was like, Ooh. well, well I it mean, apparently, like, I would have fainted too. I mean, because again, it's her father. Yeah. It's her father. Like, um, so yeah. now. Now, the evidence of her buy, trying to buy the, the prussic acid was excluded during the trial because the judge ruled that the, the incident didn't have anything. It, there's no connection. So a lot okay. of other stuff happened during this trial. But honestly, I think it came down to the investigation was bungled by the uh, yeah. initial cops who came on the scene. They, they didn't secure the scene well enough. There probably were onlookers nope. tracing through the house, nosy busybodies tracing through the barn. Like, you know what I mean? And they didn't collect the evidence. Yeah. They just, yeah. So it's really hard to tell what exactly happened, what evidence was 
was just random living there or like from people looky loos, you know, because they looky loos always mess up a crime scene. So now on June twentieth, so the the trial started on June fifth. Fifteen days later, on June twentieth, okay. um, they rested and the uh, so it went to the jury for deliberation. Okay. okay? Um, now, after an hour and a half of deliberation, the jury came back with an acquittal for Lizzie Borden of the oh. murders. When? And I have to say, even though there's a lot of doubt, again, because she was the only one in the house, so you're like, well, girl, how did this happen? And she's like, uh, I was upstairs ironing, and then I was eating peaches in the barn. Uh, but they didn't really have enough evidence to actually convict her. Um... Now, if she was a black woman, they would have convicted her, and that would have been done with it. Uh, but Yeah, I know that. They, like, they, they, an hour and a half for a black woman. No, no, no. Five to seven minutes. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So she, yeah, they acquitted her because, again, I, I, you know, the jury, they, I really feel like they didn't have enough evidence. But, again, this is like a, a, like, like a well-bred woman chopping people up. Like, no, like, it, I, I wouldn't yeah, lie in 1892. So, upon exiting the courthouse, I know, who else did it, right? So, upon exiting the courthouse, she told reporters that she was, quote, the happiest woman in the world, end quote. Um, mm-hmm. So, after the trial, so, although she was acquitted, she remained the prime suspect in her father and stepmother's murders. Um, writer, even to this day, people are like, that bitch did it, we just don't know how. Because, again, if she, the mean, first like time she, she passed up, her mother, her stepmother, she would have had blood all over her, right? And again, women wore like 200 layers of clothing back then. Like, yeah, like it would be hard so, to like, get it off. Yeah, in time for, if she did that around 1030, and then her father comes, so like, oh, come she downstairs did that around 10, and her like, father comes back at 1030. Yeah. So, he yeah, would have noticed, he, I would he, think that if she had blood on her, right? Unless she was able to fully change those clothes and, like, bury yeah, them somewhere. But, again, she could have, like, changed them and threw them in the closet. They didn't really look very hard. Yeah, but getting out of all those dresses, you need help back then. You couldn't really get out of dresses, like, how we get out of our clothes. They couldn't really do that in 1892. They had a lot of stuff over. And there would have been a That's lot true. of blood, I would imagine, right? There's a lot of blood. Yeah, I think, I think so. Look. I watched a lot of Dexter, and so because of that, I can tell you that, yes, there's a lot of blood. Um, yeah, there'd be a lot of blood, um, unless they, the cops were complete morons and they just walked through all the blood and then he had time <laughs> to clean it up later. Who knows? Um, yeah. But, I mean, because she did have time in the house after Bridget went across the street to get the doctor. Um, so she had time to do that, but I, I don't that's think that's enough Not time. a lot of time, though, yeah. Unless you've killed many people before, you know how to do the clean, like Dexter, you know how to do the clean. Yeah, you're so, right. You you speak. Um, that's you know. Yeah. So 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 everyone's everyone's like that bitch did it. We just don't know how. Um, now, writer Victoria Lincoln proposed in 1967 that Lizzie might have committed the murders while in a fugue state. Another prominent suggestion was that she was physically oh. and sexually abused by her father, which drove her to commit patricide. But there's no evidence. And, I, you know, you got to be careful throwing around molestation and stuff. So, yeah. an incest. Um, and, you know, 
there, there would not have been any discussion at the time of that kind of thing. But there's no evidence that that happened. So I don't even want to, you know, because there's girls out there who are actually being molested by their fathers. So, um, but there was no. Yeah, but I will that. say that now, back then, you're never gonna find any people couldn't speak up about it. You know, like you'll there's no absolutely, absolutely. But I, I don't you know. know. I feel like it's. I think it's more of a money thing. Honestly, I think it's a little more of a money I mean, thing coupled with entitlement. If he was pissed, entitled, and in a fugue state, but it would take a lot of time-specific work to do it yeah. in said fugue state. Right. You know what I mean? And that's the antithesis of a fugue state. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, it would be um, so obvious. Yeah. Now, other theories. There's some other theories. Mystery author Ed McBain in his 1984 novel, Lizzie, suggested that Borden committed the murders after being caught in a lesbian tryst with this, with, uh, with Bridget, whose name she couldn't bother to remember. I mean, I just feel like you're bored in writing books. I don't think you're having – I think you should oh, stop God. watching all that porn, sir, and maybe write something else. What? No, in a nice I'm not arguing a lesbian twist, <laughs> rock out, but like, I just don't see where you're getting that. I don't think it would be with the, the nerd, the maid Bridget, who they insisted on calling something else. Like, I just, I, I would don't think it would say be that, like, I would be like, look, I will be part of your lesbian twist, just call me by my name. And if there's like, <laughs> no, can't pause, they'd be like, then I'm not gonna do this lesbian twist, okay? Right. And she would like walk away. Walk right. away. <laughs> I see that. Now, so, so in a 1999 interview, he speculated that um, uh, that Abby, the stepmother, had caught Lizzie and Bridget in a in a tryst, in an embrace, and was horrified and disgusted, uh, and that um, Lizzie killed Abby with a candlestick. Now, when Andrew returned, she had, she confessed to her father, saying, "I killed him, that I killed her," you know, um, and he got mad, so she killed him in a rage. Fair. Um, with a hatchet. Now, he further speculates that Bridget dis- disposed of the hatchet somewhere afterwards. In later years, uh, Lizzie was rumored. Now, later years, so Lizzie and a lot of people do believe that she, if she wasn't a lesbian, she definitely was fluid in her sexuality. Um, okay. because she was rumored to, um, have carried on like a, a romantic relationship with an actress, uh, a female actress later oh. on. So, and so that may have been a lot of stuff. She's a repressed woman in 1892, can't get her hands on any fucking money. (laughs) It's like her dad escaped. And And is actually lesbian, so she thinks there's something maybe wrong with her. You know what I mean? Like, you don't. But just because you're lesbian don't mean you're a murderer. So I don't kind of, I really don't like that. No, it certainly doesn't. "Mm." I don't like, that doesn't. That's not the same thing. And I feel like that's kind (laughs) of, Yeah. Now, um, but like I can see where now, she feels more of an outcast than she already yes. feels, and so yes. that doesn't usually require people to then commit murder because you know right. people have been gay for centuries and that hasn't been okay most <laughs> of that time. So where they weren't right. all murderers, right? I guess the point. they weren't killing Your people point. with hatchets. Now, so there was rumors about Lizzie, but with Bridget, there was never any rumors. And later on, she actually married a man she met while working as a maid to Butte in Butte, Montana. 
So she kind of disappeared oh. off the radar, and then she popped up in Butte, Montana later on. Oh, now, she God. died in Butte in 1948. Uh, so she huh. died like uh, 50-something years later where she allegedly gave a deathbed confession to her sister, stating that she had changed her testimony on the stand in order to protect Lizzie. But no one knows oh. that for true. Because, why would, again, why would she protect Lizzie if Lizzie couldn't even bother to remember her name? I mean. Or call her by her actual name. I, I mean, unless Lizzie paid her off, was like, if you get Unless fan, Lizzie paid her off. Care you. I, mean, I will get some more money. I found some keys. My father is dead. I have access <laughs> to this. She totally could have done that. Right? Because yeah. now her father is dead. She has access to the money. She could have, but, you know, who knows? Basically, everyone who's in the house, Emma came on and speculated. Everybody in the house was considered a suspect by somebody. But honestly, Lizzie was the only one who was in the house alone when these people were supposedly killed. And she doesn't have an alibi like everybody else. She was saying, oh, I was upstairs hiding, and then I was in the barn. And but you're talking about 240 pounds. She's 240 pounds, and she, because they tested it out. A, a, uh, a cop went up and he dropped, and I know it's not the same thing, but he dropped like a 250-pound weight or whatever, and he said the whole house shook. So if a 240-pound yeah. woman hits the ground and it's I like hatching, you can hear the thud. All Lizzie had to do was be like, yeah, I heard a thud. Whew, wonder what that was about. You know what I mean? No, like, she had to explain oh where she is. And I think, I honestly thought that's where, um, also this is where, like, entitlement comes in. I'm from a wealthy family. How dare you ask me these questions? I I, I don't know. Yeah, it was yeah. that thing. I don't know. Like, who knows? It's all speculation. I don't hear a thud. So, I'm rich. But 240 pounds <laughs> is a lot. That's a lot. So, oh, yeah, uh, I'm almost done thing. here. Um, especially in those houses. Huh? Especially in those houses. Yeah. Like, you hear everything. Like, you've been in an old house. That shit creeps Even if it's solid, though, 240 pounds of dead weight, you're going to feel it or Mm -hmm. hear it or be like, what was that? Like, even if it doesn't, like, you know what I mean? Even if it's not, like, an earthquake, but you're going to hear it. Especially if all the doors are closed so there's reverberation, like you said. Like, you can hear it. Yeah. Um, now, because that, the room, but the room where Abby was, it, the door was open because she was up there cleaning. She was up there tidying up. So the door was actually open. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, now, so after the trial, Lizzie and Emma moved into a large modern house in the hill, the well-heeled part okay. of Fall mm. River, where they should have been living all the time. Um, of course, and of course. Lizzie... So, Lizzie, this is why I don't think Lizzie is not – I think if she did it, is she got off because the cops were incompetent. Because she doesn't strike me as the, the smartest, uh, the sharpest soul in the shed. She changed her name mm-hmm. to Lizbeth A. Borden to get away from the <laughs> the scandal. I mean, I'd be like, my name but is, like, I don't know, Charlotte Bronte. I mean, so I just changed the name. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Adele. I'm going by Charlotte I mean, Bronte. Yeah. 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 Margaret. My name is Shakespeare. I mean, Philip <laughs> Shakespeare. <laughs> Philip Shakespeare. <laughs> now, so at the new house, Lizzie called it Maple yeah. Croft. They had a staff okay. that included living maids, a housekeeper, and a coachman. So they started living oh. in the lifestyle in which they had always wanted to live. 
Um, yeah, she murdered them so she could live like this. That's yeah, I mean, fun. yeah, it does. It totally does. I'm in mourning. Put shoes on my shoes now. I need a moist towelette for my brow. Um, now, Abby was ruled to have died before Andrew, so her estate first went to Andrew. And then at his death, all of that passed to Lizzie and Emma as part of his estate. Oh. A considerable settlement. Um, and however, was paid to settle, uh, to claims by Abby's family. So they paid, they yeah, took care I of them and go away. Yeah, that's the, that's, oh, the, sure that's they the they least they could do. Now, despite the acquittal, Lizzie was ostracized by Fall River Society. Her name was again brought into the public eye when she was accused of shoplifting in 1897 in Providence, Rhode Island. In, eight, in 1905, oh. Shortly after an argument over a party that uh, Lizzie had given for actress Nance O'Neill, so that's the actress that her sister, that, right. that was rumored that she was having an affair with, Emma moved out of the house. So I don't know if, they, if oh. Emma moved out of the house because she was like, I love Nance and we're going to run off together. She's going to live here. Who knows? No one knows why they got into an argument. So Emma moved out of the house. She never saw her sister again. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. So, and this was what, uh, yeah, so this was 1893, so this was like 12 years after the trial. Now, on June 1st, 1927, so 22 years after not speaking to her sister, Lizzie died of pneumonia. Oh, wow. Yeah. Funeral details were not published. Um, so 27, so 60, uh, 60, 60, so 40, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, um, uh, Lizzie. So she died from chronic yeah. nef- nephritis at the age of 76 in a nursing home in Newmarket, New Hampshire. Uh, having moved to the, having moved there in 23, both for health reasons and to avoid renewed publicity following the publication oh. of a, another book about the murder. So Emma was like, leave me alone. Now the sisters, neither of whom had ever married, were buried side by side in the family plot <laughs> along with their mother and, pissed. you know, their father. <laughs> I know. Um, an Oak Grove Cemetery. Now, at the time okay. of their death, uh, Lizzie was worth $250,000, equivalent of about um, 4.9, almost $5 million in today's money. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Uh, she that owned a crazy. house on the corner of French Street and Belmont Street, several office buildings, shares in several utilities, two cars, and a large amount of jewelry. She left $30,000, the equivalent of $593,000, to the Fall River Animal Rescue League. And okay, she, left $500, she left $500, the equivalent of $10,000 today, in a trust for perpetual care of her father's grave. Um, oh. Her closest friend and the cousin each received $6,000, which is about uh, $119,000 today. Hmm. Um yeah, at the time of the estate's distribution in 27, and numerous friends and family members each received about $1,000 apiece, which is about $20,000 in today's money. 
uh, and five thousand dollars, which is about a hundred thousand dollars in today's money. Which so that's very generous. Like, um, yeah, that now, is very the Borden, generous. Yeah, the boarded house where the murders happen is today a museum and operates as a bread uh, a bed and breakfast with eighteen ninety styling. Pieces of evidence used in the trial, including the axe head, are preserved at the Fall River Historical Society. Oh my God, I want to go. That is Lizzie Borden, and like I, I'm not going to get into because there's been plenty of books and and TV shows. Yeah, and yeah. Written about Lizzie Borden, or um, you know, imagining what really happened. But honestly, no one knows what happened. I mean, I feel like I don't know if she heard her parents being attacked, or she got someone to attack them. And that's why she didn't have the blood on her. But she's the only one that could have done it. She's the only one in the house. I don't know who else could have done it. Like, I, I mean, don't know. The thing that I find interesting is there's no other moment in her life where she, you know, it didn't, it wasn't that she would go kill animals for fun or, you know what I mean? Like, there was no history. But remember, of that. her father did kill her, her pet. Her father did and she's probably you know and all but how does she do it without getting blood all over her i know i know it's it's, it's like uh, people compare it to like the oj thing like you know he he killed those people but then how did he not find more how did he not find more blood uh is it because the cops were trying to frame him and in doing so they mess up the evidence and you know yeah, because I honestly, I was one of the people early on. I was like, OJ killed those people. And all the black people were like, no. And I was like, because I don't like OJ anyway because he beat up his wife. He beat up his first wife. I mean, like, that was like, my I, big thing with him, too. Like, he's a wife beater. That's, yeah, I'm like, I'm not uh, I'm not chasing for a wife beater. But, you know, Mark Furman is a racist. And he probably did try to mm. play something on OJ. But... Also, O.J. was a famous person, so when they went there originally, they didn't really secure the crime scene. I mean, that happens a lot. You know, if you're doing yeah, shoddy I mean, still happens. work. But with yeah, O.J., there is work, an element of, like, he has a violent history. Yeah. So it's just a but little see, with, more. But with Lizzie, but we don't murder. know her history because, but, but Lizzie, we don't know because it's 1892, and back right, then, that's a people very believe it's because people believe if you were wealthy, you were automatically superior to everyone else. Mm-hmm. They fully they believed it. That, they kind of yeah, that notion of you, whatever. They kind of still believe, but that notion of you know yeah. maybe you have mental illness or you have you know behavioral problems. People didn't believe that back then of rich people. They thought rich people were all good no. and kind. And yeah. which is why originally they were like some Portuguese guy, some some immigrant guy came in. You know, it's got to be an immigrant, right? Anyone but Anyone's the rich white girl. <laughs> yeah, but then I can also. I mean, it's kind of like with our Hannah Mary Tads in our very first episode. Yeah. Like, you know, people didn't believe a a woman or a black woman could eat, could have mm-hmm. to even, somebody and she just milked that. Yeah, she was like, oh, Lordy, I don't know nothing, Matt. Like, and they were like, why are you talking like that all of a sudden, Mary? She's like, I don't know. So I don't know. It's hard to tell because we don't know what. And also, I don't know, was there some sort of a level of infantilism going on with, with Lizzie? Like, she was the youngest. Did they treat her kind of like, did she have a mind like of a, a child in a lot of ways? Of 32. 
to, but maybe she did. Yeah. You and know, maybe that um, was like a reaction. Because her being vague about even before even before she went to the inquest, the whole thing about like, oh, I was upstairs ironing, and then I went to the to the the bar and the peaches. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> like. Yeah, and then, I mean, one yeah. friend said that Lizzie had visited her the night before, too, and was like, oh, I feel like something terrible is going to happen to father, and uh, who knows? Like, it's not like she sounds sadistic in that sense. Also, I will say this. For them to suspect her yeah. the way they did, I find that interesting because maybe locally they knew something that we didn't know. That's what you I'm know. wondering, too. Like... Like, you know, apparently some newspapers thought that they were getting it wrong and they were trying to pin a murder on this innocent woman when a crazy maniac man had done it. But I wonder if they knew, you know, she wasn't about stealing from her father. The fact that she thought she had to steal from her father is also something else that's really weird. But no one really yeah. knows for sure what really happened. Only Lizzie does. Like, I mean, I, I mean, because she had seen it happen and then, like, but if somebody had broken in to steal, they would have stolen stuff. People don't just come into murder. Right. They come into murder. And also, I just, it is very weird that the rooms were fine, except for the bloody bodies on the floor or on the couch. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, someone yeah. who's breaking in is going to break, to do this kind of horrific thing um, for a, no apparent reason, right? It's going to break something. It's going to knock something over. It's going to shove a chair. You know, because they right. don't know the layout. But they don't the know layout the layout, right. Okay, fine. I think she did yeah. it. I think somehow yeah. blood splattered away from her and she got lucky. That's what I think. Or she I was able to slip out her. So. Yeah, I mean, she I, she's the only one that really could have done it, honestly. Um, yeah. She, and maybe you're right. Maybe you know. she's simple. And that's. She reacted in a simple way. She saw her father do that horrific act, and she basically repeated it. Yeah. I mean, later on, they did uh, discover that Andrew, there was a guy in town who was a butcher. He was known to be Andrew's illegitimate son. And people did, there is confirmation that that probably was his son, and maybe he was angry about not having access to his father so maybe he came in and killed him lizzie let him in or something i don't know but it's just weird but then it would have had but then lizzie would have better. said that and also and well, said, not if they guy had, came in the house well not if she had right. agreed to split the money with him right but oh, it would have had okay. to have been planned better and it, it was just too close it wasn't planned that well and the whole thing about the door being stuck and her, that, that right. seems like a very simple kind of thing, like, you know, because Bridget's like, well, what's the door? Bridget's like, I'm I'm hot. I'm, I'm probably got right. food poisoning. I just, what is going on with this door? So it's a very strange thing, but we we just don't know definitively. Mm-hmm. But I will say that the jury was correct. They they didn't have enough evidence to convict her on. They, you know, yeah, it definitely wasn't true. beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, And so only she knows, but. That is Lizzie Borden. I've been again. We, I've been avoiding doing her, but it's pretty fascinating. And like, I only it is like, really tip of the iceberg too. Like, there's so much on Lizzie Borden. Like, I didn't even get into like details, but but to me, I'm like, she's the only one that could have done it, right? Like, I mean, I think she did. Because it. also, 
it happened so quickly. Like it happened so if the the mother was killed before ten thirty. So let's say the mother was killed like ten fifteen or something. Right. And then the father comes back in and he goes to sleep and he's killed at eleven or thereabouts. Like I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. And then she's she is presentable by ten thirty. You know what I mean? Yes. She's like, yes. Hi Daddy. I look fine. Yes. I yes. mean, hi, Daddy. Because I think he would know her well enough to know if she had blood on her dress or something. I mean, I unless like, he just yeah. didn't look at her. But, but he. I so yeah, I don't know. I mean, the only thing I can think of is if she and that that secret love child brother, you know, agreed to kind of do it for the money, and then she paid but him off. Then, and then I wonder why. She's, she's still to blame. You still go to jail for that. Yeah, yeah. Even if I you're mean, not you know, the one so, who raises the ass. ass. I mean, I think last year um, they did, uh, two years ago, they did discover actually uh, uh, her diary and letters about, like, during the oh, trial wow. that were found, that were in the custody of one of her lawyers. And in the letter she was, you know, expressing, like, deeper, you know, um, not remorse, but, like, sorrow at her father's passing. It was, you know, it was very, like, upset about that. But, again, if she were a simple person, she could have that. Two things could be true. She could have that yeah. feeling yeah. afterwards, miss her dad, and also be like, but I'm living high on the horse, bitches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, um, but yeah. who knows? So, I don't know. Uh, listeners, it's up to you. What do you guys think? Please write us. Or yeah, we tell us. What you think, you know, <laughs> what you think could have happened. Um, and you can do that at NotoriousWMPod. On Twitter and on our Facebook page, you can also email us at NotoriousWMPod at gmail.com. And you can even hit us up or slide into our DMs on Notorious Women mm-hmm. Podcast on Instagram. But I think yeah, that yeah. wraps it up for this week. This was pretty good. We had to do Lizzie Borden. We had to do Lizzie Borden. Yeah, I mean, yeah. She's great. I mean, probably awful, but great. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, and so you and the nursery rhyme that's very popular by this kind of crime. A lot of people think it was made up by the newspapers, which I don't doubt because you know they made so much money <laughs> about publishing. Yeah, they did about the trial. <laughs> they made so they made they were they probably. were like yes, Lizzie, yes, yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's Lizzie Borden, and that wraps it up for this episode of Notorious Women podcast. And I guess we will see you next week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. All right? And we will see you next week. All right. Bye-bye. Yes, we will. Bye-bye.